Mike, it's the 180th episode of Analog. 180. Do you know what that's a reference to? Not a clue. So uh, in darts, the highest points that you can get on a like a single round, I guess you'd call it, is like three triple 20s, which is 180. And mm. when that happens in darts, the announcer will always say 180 like that. Let me ask an honest Everyone question. Everyone in Britain knows what I'm talking about right now. So, yeah, this is where I was going. Darts are a thing here in that dart boards exist and sometimes at bars and sometimes at people's homes. But I can't tell you that I am aware of anyone that I know that has a darn clue how to score a game of darts. But my my ignorant perception is that... It's easy. You just go down. The, what, what does that mean? It's a circle. No, the scoring. What are you talking about with the scoring? The scoring starts, I think it's at 501, and you have to go down to zero. Like, the first person to get down to zero wins. I didn't even know that much. And you every... Like, the dartboard is segmented, right? And mm-hmm. every segment has a points value. Okay. But how do, how can you tell? Because there's like different. Because the numbers are on the outside. Yeah, but the, there's different pot like there's different segments within each pie slice. Right. Okay. So the the white segments are corresponding to the number. So if you look at a darts board, oh, right? Now I got to call up a picture. Hold on. So bring up a picture of a darts board. All right. We're gonna have to try to get Jim to drop a picture in for this chapter because I'm already getting confused. Okay. So I'm looking yeah. at a dartboard. It looks like there's a, not including the bullseye. There's four sections in one pie slice. Yes. There's like two right. little slivers and two yep. big white ones. Right. So the white or black, or black part. Sorry, yes. Okay. You see the white and black parts? Mm-hmm. They are the the, num- the points value for hitting inside of those mm-hmm. corresponds to the number on the outside ring. Okay. So on this particular one I'm looking at, 20 is at the top. I have no idea if that's yep. normal or not. They're all the same. Okay. So if I get the two black sections that are below the 20, I have earned, mm-hmm. I have I have removed 20 points from my start of 501, you said? Correct. Okay, now what happens if I get in little red slivers? So it depends. The outside one, that is double 20. Okay. The smaller one is triple 20. So that would be 60. So hence 180. Remember I said 180 is the highest score you can get? Three triple 20s is the highest score you can get on a round. Because the bullseye, the red bullseye in the middle, that's worth 50 points. The outside green ring is worth 25. So, wait, but how did we get to 180? I'm still lost. Three triple 20s, 60, 60, 60. And, and that's, oh, I see. Okay, so, so you right? don't want the bullseye? The bullseye is great for 50 points, if that's what you need. Interesting. What, so, so the highest score you can get is that little red sliver in the 20? It's not the bullseye? Correct, yeah. That's messed up. It's not messed up. It's just, that's just how it is. People, huh. like, the thing is, is like, I mean, that's, that segment is probably as hard to hit as the other ones. It's a strategy game as well, because you've got to make sure you're getting the right points at the right time. Why does that matter? If you're just marching as quickly as possible from 501 to zero. Right, but as you get to the end, then you need a specific number, right? Oh, so you can't go negative? You have to get exactly 501? The winner is zero. So what happens if you go negative? You lose? You bust and you have to rethrow the round. So if you needed 15 points and you hit 20 points, you've now negated that throw and you have to do it again. So how do you get an odd number? Because as you said, it's 501. Where's the one? 
There's a one. <laughs> There's Where's a one the on the board next oh. to 20. I'm looking at 10 and 5 on this particular one. No wonder I'm confused. I must be looking at the... Oh, I see a different dartboard now oh, with many more segments than the one I was looking at. Okay. I don't know what you were looking uh, at. I don't know. Some I just silly American search. dartboard. I'm, I'm, I'm an ignorant American. Like, what do I know? You hit in the middle and hot dogs come out the side <laughs> and then a firework goes off. <laughs> USA. USA. By the way, darts at a place called The Crucible, that's like where the, the big darts places mm-hmm. uh, are, it is an absolutely wild affair. This is in the UK? Drinking, partying, like music blaring, and then it all stops. I throw the darts, and then everyone goes crazy. It's, it it looks like an incredibly fun experience. I think it's called the Crucible, where the main darts championships are. But wherever it is, it's like it's super, super fun, really fun. Like the World Darts Championship looks like a great time. This is all. This almost everything you've told me is is new news to me. I am not making. I'm not being silly. I did not know almost anything you've just told me. It you know the, talking about the crucible reminds me of a story I've probably told on the show before. But um, when I was in high school, I was 16 ish, and I had through a series of a series of random and I may be wrong about it being the crucible. I don't know. I I know there is a theater called the crucible, but I don't know if that's oh that's snooker. Sorry, crucible uh, is snooker. That's another thing I don't um, get. But I'm not going to explain snooker to you. But the the World Darts Championships, which are held in various places, they look like an absolutely fantastic time. Right. So that hooping and hollering and all that, it reminds me. So I'm 16 years old. I think it was 96-ish. I mean, so no, I would have been 14. Anyway, it doesn't matter. The point is I was in Disney World for a school-related thing. And myself and the people I was with, the kids I was with, we had a little bit of time to kill. And it was one of the years that the World Cup was happening. And I, I'm going to butcher the details, but we ended up going to like this ESPN themed restaurant and bar just by circumstance. And shortly after we arrived, we realized it was like a Brazil Holland game. And we were sitting between like a group from each country that I guess was visiting Disney World, but went to this You're bar. In for no the, man's land. And, and so we were in the no man's land, but that was okay because we were like sitting square in the middle of these people, like good naturedly just ha- heckling and hassling each other and hooping and hollering. And it wasn't until that moment that I finally understood soccer or sorry, football. And so I feel like watching this, watching darts would be a similar experience in person or otherwise, but seeing all the hooping and hollering and so on and so forth. Um, it's, it sounds, it reminds me very much of that experience I had when I was a kid. So while we're talking about sports. Yeah. Oh, look at you with the professional segue. Well, welcome to the relay FM sports show, uh, which is also known as analog. Let's talk about Formula One. Before we started, before we were live, I said to you jokingly, because this is the 180th show, we're going to have to turn the show around. Apparently, we really are turning the show around, and now this is the sports show. Mm-hmm. Oh, my word. So, yeah, F1. Ooh, we, we are recording this. What is today? It's Tuesday the 4th, and just this past Sunday the 2nd was the first of two races at what I would call Silverstone. You would say is actually pronounced Silverstone. Is that right? Yeah, that's how I would say it. Okay. And... Oh my, I actually did not watch most of this for reasons I'll probably end up discussing later, but I didn't watch most of the race, but I watched uh, just by circumstance, uh, I I thought, well, let me watch like the last five or 10 laps. And just so I can see, I knew there was an exciting finish. I knew nothing else. And I watched the last five or 10 laps and oh my goodness, what a race that was. (laughs) I mean, they've all been, I've enjoyed every single race so far. I think there's been three or four, has it been four races so far? We are having so much fun. Like me and Adina are like really into this. Like for whatever reason, I don't know why, like 
exactly but it seems like the things around formula one is like this is my sport right like i am enjoying keeping up with everything in between the races like i keep up with the news and stuff um and i like following kind of my favorites and it's just like a real fun thing i like the drama and all the machinations and the moving around of everything and like you know the the politics of it like Mm -hmm. this team is contesting this team and how that can change everything and i think it's like there's only 20 people to keep track of 10 teams like i can keep a hand on that sport where (laughs) like you know what i mean like it it's not 20 people per team and 50 teams right Um, and so I feel like, I don't know, it feels like I can kind of keep control of the whole thing. And for me, at least, like, I don't feel like I have to choose a team and stick to the team. Mm-hmm. Like, I know that there are definitely people that treat their fandom of Formula One like a team sport. And, like, more power to you, like, go for it. I like the people more than the teams the same but then mm-hmm. i also have some like affinity for some of the teams it's like i like that it's kind of like what i can enjoy is kind of spread around a lot it's not like oh if my team doesn't win i'm gonna be so mad yeah i have been really enjoying it as well as has declan um aaron did not watch drive to survive with me and so i think because of that she's kind of just ambivalent about the whole thing but yeah um declan is really into it he mostly understands what's happening but he really enjoys it um I had asked him uh, before the show just to reiterate to me to see if it changed because it does change a lot. You know, who who his favorite drivers are and what it amounted to coincidentally for him was whoever drives for Mercedes and Ferrari. So Mercedes and Ferrari are his teams, which it's fine Uh, for me. I've said for a while now that I really liked uh, Ricardo and Esteban Ocon. Uh, I've kind of fallen out of love with with Ricardo. He just seems to be like, I don't know. I I can't even describe it, but I, I just I'm not as amused with him as I once was. Um, but I've been very intrigued by Ocon, who's starting to actually put on a semi-decent performance and, uh, Alex Albon and is, has been very impressive to me, which is weird because just recently as we record this, there was like some rumblings that he was in threat of losing his, uh, seat, which seemed bananas to me because he's been, he has not performed. Oh, come on. No, but you've got to look at the difference between him and Verstappen. Oh, well, okay, sure. So what Red Bull is looking for, here we go, here we go, this is what we do now. What Red Bull is looking (laughs) for is they are looking for a Bottas. Mm, mm -hmm, They mm -hmm. want someone who can keep up with Verstappen and help him out. Sure, okay. And they don't have that. I think they could, but I, I hear what you're saying, and you're not wrong. I'm not saying Albon couldn't do that. I really like Albon. But so far this year, he's not been able to do it. I mean, there have been lots of issues, like some not his fault, some maybe his fault. Um, and I, so I, I believe that he still has the ability this year to kind of prove himself a little bit more. But I can understand why Red Bull is maybe looking around. And also, they seem to be quite a a team that can't really make their mind up one way or another. Like they like play hot potato with their second seat quite a lot, but yeah. Yeah. I think that's fair, but I I do like Alban. He seems like a genuinely nice person in the same way. I've always loved Ocon. He's seen, you know, both of them seem very kind, very nice, very humble. Um, And then 
who is it that is it Lando that had the white helmet this time that was designed by like a six year old as like some sort of charity thing or something like that? Yeah, I love that because he like totally put everybody else on blast in like the best possible Lando way. So they had this like little competition, some of the teams about having a fan redesign the helmet. And a couple of the other guys, like I think George Russell picked like a cool design from like a 27 year old guy and Lando picked like a crayon design from a six-year-old girl who was mm. it was like a big fan of his and so he looks like and is like doing a great thing like he looks like a great guy for doing that right like he made this kid's day where the typical idea would be like let me pick a cool design like right. my favorite thing about that was it's had his name lando norris and she ran out of space and did the s underneath yeah. <laughs> like that like there's a good joke from john mulaney about writing a happy birthday banner and you end up doing that kind of thing so but yeah so like it was super cute but like i think i saw like some of the other guys posting their pictures and they're like yeah it's not as good as lando's i guess <laughs> it was so fun but yeah that was real that was nice like so i love lando norris love lando norris for so many reasons like he is he seems like a really good guy a lot of the young guys seem like a nice guy right mm -hmm. so yeah, like yeah, him yeah. russell albon ocon like they seem different to the older guys but that might just be because they're young and right mm -hmm. who knows what will happen as sure. time moves on but they seem they also seem to have more of a camaraderie than some of the older guys tend to have right so i really like seeing him i think he's doing a really great job and it seems like he's also doing like just a great job in the car so yeah i'm i'm a big fan of i'm a big fan of Lonzo norris right now yeah i think in, to my eyes, Verstappen is the most interesting driver right now. But in terms of the people I like, uh, you know, if, if in this in the Casey mm. List F1 stock market, uh, Daniel Ricciardo's stock is falling pretty aggressively. Uh -huh. Ocon's is plateaued. Albon's has come up just the teeniest bit. I really think that there's something there. I just think he's had crummy luck. And uh, Lando's is is coming up. His stock is coming up in my book real real quick. So yeah, I've been really enjoying it. It's funny because as we've discussed numerous times on the show. I'd been getting flack from, you know, some, as I would call them, gearhead, uh, or you would say petrolhead friends of mine for years to watch F1, and it never stuck. And then it was seeing that there's more than just going around in circles on Drive to Survive that really got me into it. And so if you're interested in this at all, I strongly recommend, I would say, both seasons of, uh, of the Netflix show Drive to Survive. I thought it was fascinating and excellent. I'm sure like true F1 nerds would, would scoff, well, that's not really accurate. And they didn't portray a lot of things. And Ferrari didn't participate in the first season. Yeah, whatever. I don't care. It was delightful. Yeah, everyone was in the second season because the first season did so well. Yeah, so I, I really recommend it. Would you like to know my current stock market? I would love to. I can't think of really people that are going down. Mm -hmm. But uh, my current phase, Lando, Lewis. Of course. Like, I love Lewis Hamilton. Right? Like, I've been over it a bunch of times. I know it's, like, so easy to say because he's winning all the time. But he, I, I really like his political nature. I think he's a great role model. I, that's how I feel. Uh, and I think he's exciting to watch. And I think that he's, like, a visionary. The way that he seems to understand. You see him doing things where he seems to understand the car. You know, he was doing 230 kilometers an hour with three wheels last last weekend. <laughs> well, hold on. put a pin in that. Put a pin in that. We'll we'll do like a quick spoiler slot at the end of the segment in just a moment. So put a pin. Okay. In that. Uh, and so, like, I'm super into Lewis right now, and I'm really like genuinely so pleased about being able to watch a sport as someone is week on week breaking records. 
right? Like it's just mm-hmm. fun to watch. Like every week, Lewis is breaking some other record because of how successful he's been for so long. You know, it's like no, the most Grand Prix wins ever, the most wins at one track ever, as he goes along to equaling the championship, right? Which is what I want to see him do this year. That's like my number one personal goal, like highlight of this season will be if Lewis can equal Schumacher's championship wins, right? I really want to see that. Mm -hmm. Uh, And also, I am very invested in Lance Stroll's progress right now. Wait, why? Oh my God, this really is just like the Formula One show right now. Like, I'm (laughs) pleased we have chapters. If you don't like this, like you have our complete consent to skip it, right? Like you do you, please do you. So Race in Point, right, is obviously having an interesting year because of their car, right? Mm -hmm. And the car, the pink Mercedes, is performing very well. They will have this car for another year, right? So they will learn from this season to make improvements to make that car better next year, right? Now, next year, they become Aston Martin Racing. Mm. Did you know this? I think you had said something to me, but I'd forgotten about it. Because Lawrence, the dad, has bought a majority stake in Aston Martin, the car company, and that is now coming down to become Aston Martin, the racing team. Mm Mm-hmm which I am really excited about because there's like a fun British heritage in that, right? And I think that's going to be really cool. So they have a good car and next year they want to get a lot of spotlight, right? Now, it feels very sure that they'll keep Perez, you would expect. Mm -hmm. I think that Lawrence's seat is potentially at risk because Vettel is on the market. You mean Lance? Uh, Yeah, Lance's. Sorry, Mm -hmm. I get them mixed up. It's basically the same name. Uh, So I think that Lance is is potentially at risk. I think both of them could be, but Lance more. because it's Dad's team. But Dad wants the best result for his team. Oh, surely, Brutal. Now, I would expect if one of them is going to be kicked out, if Perez is not under contract, uh, Kate's telling me that Lance is not at risk. Kate knows all about F1 in the chat. But anyway, I would still say that like it, there is a risk in Racing Point because they will want to make a big sh- like blow next year and Vettel's on the market. And I would be... I reckon that's where he's going to go. I reckon he's going to go to Aston Martin. Hmm. But Vettel seems like he's past his prime to me. Who's gonna, who else is going to have him? I, I don't know. I just I, Maybe he'd retire. I don't think there's enough space for him. But honestly, him in that car, he could be podium. Like... Because that car looks bananas, right? And you put someone of his caliber in that car, like I think he could do big things in that. And I think that's why they would want him. Yeah. That's a fair point. It's a fair point. But anyway, so I'm you know, I'm like I, I don't know enough about Lance Stroll's contract or whatever, but I'm just like I want him to do well right now because I don't want because like I also feel like a lot of people look at him and they're like, you're only in the car because dad owns the team, right? Mm-hmm. So I kind of have this feeling towards him of wanting him to do well to prove those people wrong. Sure. Okay. You know what I mean? So I, I, I th- and also he, Lance has been doing great. Like he's been doing a great job. But yeah, I, I reckon, I reckon Vettel's going to go to, to Racing Point. That's where I reckon he's going. That's interesting. All right, quick spoiler slot for the most recent races we recorded this, which was the first of the Silverstone races. 
that ending oh my god so if you didn't watch this and i i I didn't see a lot of the lead up so feel free to cut me off and and fix my summary but basically it seemed like left front tires were exploding all over the place and as of the recording time i i haven't personally seen the like um retrospective and 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 investigation about this although i do think i saw fly by in the chat room that it exists pirelli put out a press release like 20 minutes ago okay so i haven't i haven't read it yet but uh, all these left front tires start exploding, and who was it? Was it Bottas that was in like second place and dropped down to like seventeenth or something like that? It wasn't that low, but I think he did full out points. So, in any case, um, what ended up happening was Hamilton was in the lead by like a solid thirty seconds, as usual. And um, and it was Verstappen, right, who came in for what what appeared to be a free pit stop. And mm-hmm. I, I believe the motivation here, again, jumping when you're ready, was to try to get the fastest lap. And so he wanted fresh tires to get the good lap and maybe get some points. No, in no, no. He went into the pit after Bottas had already had his tire exploding. That was purely to try and, like, see how much space it could gain. Could, like, and so that's in my memory. Like, that he went in after Bottas's tire blew up, I think. Okay, okay. So in any case, so he goes in for this pit stop, right? And all of a sudden, with like two or three laps to go, Hamilton, the race leader, was like 30 seconds ahead of Verstappen, his tire blows. And so now yeah. he's got to do a lap or two on three tires. No, it was like most of the last lap. Yeah, and so he's got to do this on three tires. And in F1, you know, a lot of times, as much as I am enjoying it, there's not a whole lot of overtaking. And my understanding is there's there's much more now than there were in years past. And I think the 2022 stuff is to try and increase that as well. Right, so... So one of the things, at least in the coverage that I see, which I think is the same as Mike's, is that they have oftentimes like this big vertical list of all the different racers and what position they're in. And they'll mm-hmm. oftentimes highlight like the interval between two racers. So there's 30 seconds between the you know the race leader Hamilton and Max Verstappen in second place. Well, normally that doesn't move that much. Like it's useful information, but it doesn't move that much. But during this last lap, when Hamilton is effectively crawling compared to the rest of the the rest of the racers. I'm watching this interval go from like 35 seconds, 30 seconds, yeah, 25 incredible. seconds, 20 seconds. And I'm just watching and I'm like standing up. And well, and then also is like there were more. It wasn't just them three. I think there was like two more, one, at least one more yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. driver whose tire exploded on the last lap. I think there was like four or five that ended up having tire malfunctions mm-hmm. on the final lap. Yeah. And so and I'm probably getting the details slightly wrong. It ultimately doesn't matter. But suffice to say, the race leader, Hamilton, and the, and the guy in second place, uh, Verstappen, and Verstappen didn't seem like there was even a chance of getting in front of Hamilton because 30 seconds is like, I know it's not literally, but figuratively speaking, it's like 44 laps distance, right? It's an impossible like lead uh, at a certain point in the race, unless there is some kind of equalizer, like a tire exploding. Right. And so all of a sudden I'm watching this interval and seeing in this last lap, the interval's dropping 35 seconds. And then five to six real-time seconds later, it's now down to 25 seconds. Another 10 real-time seconds, the lead is down to 20. 20 seconds and I'm watching as this coverage as Hamilton is limping along trying his his darndest to get to the finish line and I'm watching the interval 15 seconds 10 seconds 5 seconds and then w- around that point the coverage I saw which again I think was the same coverage you saw they had a shot that looked like the end of the straightaway that the finish line is on and you see Lewis Hamilton come come around the turn and it was mm-hmm. a right hand turn for him comes around the turn and races across the finish line and does win the race and at the time, I thought, wow, he's really flying, especially for only being on three wheels. And then there was just this 
utterly perfect shot of Verstappen screaming around that turn that was trying before, to catch him. Uh, Hamilton had finished. Oh, was it before? Okay. Yeah. Oh, oh my God. You, it was you, so you're good. You're doing though. a terrible job with his story. I'm sorry. So it was as Hamilton was coming down the final straight to the finish line, you mm-hmm. could see Verstappen turn in the corner on him because that was the drama of like, you know, because it's hard to gauge the speed differences. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So it's like, how fast is Verstappen going? And mm-hmm. is it enough to catch him? Yep. So yeah, me and Indina were both at that moment standing and screaming, yes. especially because <laughs> what, you probably didn't see this in the commentary. They got some bad information. So they were on board with Bottas as his tire was going up mm-hmm. and they thought it was Hamilton. Oh, okay. Okay. Right, because like, like Hamilton's tire was like ready to go, but never like flew off. But Bottas has basically did. I got you. But you know, it ended up like it, he's throwing like you know, they're throwing sparks. Like I love it when they throw sparks mm-hmm. out of the back and stuff. Like, yeah, it was man, it was so good. It was such a good race. Like at the end, like I, people say, like it was boring in the middle. I don't find it boring. Like I like watching it. Like because there are all these little micro things happening at one time. Yeah, I have a great time with the sport. It's, yeah, I'm so in. Like, it's like the <laughs> highlight. Honestly, it's like a highlight of my week now when there's a race. I, I genuinely hope they're able to keep it going. Like, one of the racers has COVID right now, which is he seems to be doing okay, but they caught him in their testing. I think he, I don't know if he had actually shown symptoms, mm-hmm. but like he had actually, I believe if I heard this correctly, he had traveled home to go to a funeral and that was where it was believed that he'd contracted it mm-hmm. because they seem to be doing a decent job of containing the people at the moment. Like, cause you know, I'm, there are sports all over the place that are struggling, especially like some sports in America, like yep. baseball and stuff. Mm-hmm. Uh, but formula one seems to be doing a pretty decent job right now. Yeah. And I hope that they're able to continue doing it. Um, we'll see. So, no, it was so, it was such a good end to that race. It was so exciting, yep. and I have to say, you know, the the rumblings I'd always heard about F one is that oh, it's boring. You know, there's no passing, there's no overtaking. You know, it's just a snooze fest. Like, Hamilton wins every time. Well, that part's true, but it all of the races so far have been far more exciting than I was led to believe. And so all of my friends who said, oh, it's so it's so boring. Well, I guess it wasn't my friends. It was like random people who would say, oh, it's so boring. Don't bother. You're all wrong. It's exciting. All right, what else is exciting? If you do find it boring, you might want to take a little nap. Oh, well done, Michael. Well done. Thank you. If you want to take a nap, the best place to do that is on a hollow pillow because hollow make insanely comfortable buckwheat pillows. I sleep on a buckwheat pillow every single night. Super different to a fluffy pillow. It does. It supports your head and neck perfectly. Doesn't collapse under the weight of your head like a traditional pillow. Stays cool, stays dry. So much better than feather and foam pillows. I love the support that I get from my hollow pillow. Like when I put my head down on it, it stays as it is, right? Like it, I don't sink into the mattress. Like I really love this thing. And it's warm here in the UK right now, but I don't feel like my pillow is hot. You never do that flipping to the cool side with hollow pillows because it's always cool and it's also adjustable you can add and remove the filling to suit your needs so your pillow can be just the way you like it just the size that you want 
Buckwheat pillows have been super popular in places in the world for years. I think especially in Japan as well. They've been sleeping on this type of pillow for a long time. And you know that thing about the Japanese. They've always got it right. They're always ahead of us. <laughs> they've always got it right. And they got it right with this one. Hollow pillows are fantastic. They're actually made in the USA. Quality construction and materials. They have a certified organic cotton case, which is cut and sewn for durability. It's one of my favorite lines to say. I've said this before to KC, I think, but this is going to stay in the ad this time. That is one of my favorite, like, just sentences to say, so I'm going to say it again. The certified organic cotton case is cut and sewn for durability. It's beautiful. <laughs> and the buckwheat is grown and milled in the U.S. as well. You can sleep on one of these for 60 nights, and if it isn't right for you, you can send it back for a full refund. Just go to hollowpillow.com slash analog. That's H-U-L-L-O-P-I-L-L-O-W dot com slash analog. Get your own buckwheat pillow. If you buy more than one, they have a special discount of up to $20 off depending on the size that you opt for. They have fast free shipping on every order. They donate 1% of all profits to the Nature Conservancy. Give it a try right now. If you love it, you keep it. If you don't, just send it back. Holopillow.com slash analog. Our thanks to Holo for their support of this show and Relay FM. One of my favorite things actually now about doing this show monthly, especially in the year of our time 2020, mm-hmm. is that month to month, so much can change. It's so true. Right? So like when, you know, so just having like, how's your life going? is like quite a valid and interesting question, I think, for this show. So Casey, how's your life going? <laughs> uh, it's good and bad. Um, since we last spoke, our local school district has announced that the kids will be fully virtual for the first nine weeks, which sounds very arbitrary, but it's basically the first marking period. Um, that's good. That which is good. I, I'm fully in support of this. In fact, uh, the local school district had said we are considering sending the kids in, and even if we do, parents will have the option of keeping their kids out, and they would still be schooled by their by a teacher. You know, it's not like homeschooling where you are the teacher. They would still be schooled by the teacher, et cetera, et cetera. But they don't necessarily need to physically attend. Um, and a lot of this decision making was happening right before things took a real bad turn in Virginia specifically. Um, they're not awful here, but they're certainly not good. And they're certainly worse than when these discussions were happening. Um, but there was a six and a half hour meeting, I want to say a week or two ago, wherein there was like an hour or so of parents getting up and saying, this is why the kids should, well, generally speaking, this is why my kids should go in. You're cheating them out of their education to to keep them at home is garbage. It didn't work in the spring, blah, blah, blah. Um, And then eventually the school board voted five to nothing to send them or to not send them, I should say, to to have it be virtual in the beginning, which I'm super thankful for. Uh, I I absolutely agree with the decision. Now, without question, there are major drawbacks to this decision, particularly if you have two working parents or perhaps only one parent that has to work out of the home. Like this was a crap sandwich, no matter how you, no matter how you slice it for the school board and for all the parents involved, Aaron and I are exceptionally lucky that both of us are at home and we can make our schedules work around Declan's. But not everyone has that luxury. And so there, there are people that are going to be screwed by this and without getting too political, but in my personal opinion, if the choice is between people possibly dying and people maybe not dying, 
I'm going to go with maybe not dying every time, even if it makes for... Yeah, like, I know, I I have no doubt it's difficult for people, right, to, like, try and balance it all, but surely that inconvenience is better than risking the the health of your family. And this is also exacerbated by the fact, I don't know if I've spoken about this on the show, that uh, my future sister-in-law is a teacher in, in the county next door to ours, and... They have said that that they're going to go four days a week, in person, four days a week. That's the story. Now, right. since then, there's actually been a little bit of backpedaling because, hey, guess what? All of the older teachers who are approximately retirement age, who are super susceptible to COVID, have said, oh, you know, we're just going to retire. And now, guess what? They don't have enough teachers to do in-person instruction. Whoopsie doopsies. I will say, like, more power to them. That is like an amazing power move. Mm-hmm. Right. <laughs> to be like, we don't want to go to school. Uh, we'll retire. <laughs> yeah, which is incredible. And it's it's also so tough because uh, without getting into some family drama that's not worth discussing, suffice to say, um, of both sides of the family up until very recently, and we'll talk about this in a second, uh, my, my brother-in-law and my future sister-in-law were the only ones that were taking this whole situation even vaguely as seriously as, as we are, as Aaron and I are. Mm. And so we have seen them... Uh, we have seen them a fair bit uh, outdoors, and even though it, it, there's no unique risk to them or risk to us, like we're at the same risk level. You know what I mean? Like some people are going to bars and pubs, and and they're going out to eat and doing all that stuff, which is fine, but that's not what our the four of us are doing. And so mm-hmm. coincidentally, um, we're actually going to be going to the beach together um, in, in very, very shortly as a kind of quarantine, uh, because all four of us, well, six if you include the kids, really don't do anything. And I bring all this up to say, because this poor woman, uh, she's going to be asked to go into school, told to go into school four days a week if nothing changes. And so here it is, she's going and having this extreme whiplash between I am doing nothing and seeing almost nobody to I'm going into this disease ridden, you know, festering pod of disgustingness. (laughs) And, and it's just, I feel so terrible for her. Um, but anyways, I'm, I'm on like the seventh deep tangent at this point. So suffice it to say, uh, Declan will be uh, schooled at home. Um, and actually, coincidentally, we have found another family that we know from preschool. Um, so he went to preschool with the, uh, the little girl in their family, and they are also on the same safety threshold as we are. And once school starts, they're going to do school together, if that makes sense. So they will be at one of our homes and they will do the virtual instruction together and have at least for the first time since March 13th, he will have another little person to play with other than Michaela. And so I'm really looking forward to that for him because I think he needs it desperately. And then, um, and this is kind of getting into our um, recommendations for this week, but uh, only only obliquely. Uh, just this past weekend, um, we actually visited another person's house inside for the first time since March. Uh, we went to my parents' house. My parents were doing a lot of lip service to being safe, but were not to the safety standard that Aaron and I hold ourselves to. And uh, a couple of weeks back, they said, hey, listen, if we do hold ourselves to your safety standard, are you willing to come over? And we said, uh, yeah, we've been waiting for you to say this for four months. <laughs> yes, of course. And so we were able to do that. And um, as much as I'm snarking and, and trying to make light of the situation, it, it, it was a phenomenally powerful thing to hug my my parents for the first time in four months. And, and even though I've seen them periodically, to be able to hug them for the first time in four months was an incredibly moving and powerful thing. And the kids were just absolutely overjoyed to be able to be physically near another 
human being. And it, and it was so incredibly powerful. There is, of course, some amount of risk involved for all of us, but our collective decision was that, hey, we're all at least for, you know, well, they, up until two weeks ago or three weeks ago ish, they were at a different threat level, but then they maintained our threat threshold, if you will, for two full Mm -hmm. weeks before we saw them. And so hopefully knock on wood, you know, none of us have transmitted anything to anyone and it was still as safe as we would hope. Anyway, so that's many, 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 many words to say. Things are slightly different, still freaking weird, and America in general is still a disaster zone. And if I ever get to see another country before I die, it will be awesome, because at the rate we're going, I don't think it's going to be possible. How's things there, Mike? I think we're, like, just in our life, uh, a little bit ahead of you, in, like, a similar way that I talked to Federico, and Federico lives, feels like he's living in the future. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Because, like, you know, Italy had it sooner and were able to get it under control sooner, so therefore live their lives a little bit more normally now. Like yeah. it seems like he, that he and like the people he knows there, like they're able to to be a bit like more like it's regular time, you know. Um, and we're kind of a little bit more like that here, I think, than than you are. Uh, so we started doing more things again, you know, after having been locked up for a long time. Like, so we're seeing family. Uh, no hugging. Uh, this is no judgment on you, yeah, but yeah, like, yeah. we're not doing that. No, like, touching of family. We're just like trying to reduce that. Like, we're in the same physical space together. We're inside or whatever. But I'm just trying to limit some stuff like that, uh, which for me... It would be superfluous, like we're there, like that can be enough kind of thing. <laughs> right. um, because really, basically, like a couple of weeks ago, I just had maybe last week or something. I think it may have been last week. Who knows? I decided that I need to start um, bringing more normal into my life again where I can yeah. safely do that. Mm-hmm. Because I, I feel like I'd kind of come to the end of my tether with it. Mm-hmm. Um, so... You know, it's been four months and I feel like at this point I've established, we've established some pretty good measures around cleanliness and, and you know, sanitizing, you know, like as best we can. It's like, in, it's like become just part of our mental model, mental models, you know, like right. you come in a door and there is a system of things you need to do. Mm-hmm. And like, mm-hmm. you know, like we're doing a very good job of those, I feel like here. Um, so, I, you know, we're wearing masks, we're, you know, we do, I think, I feel like we're doing okay with it um, to, to the best that we can do. And I've decided, just decided that like, you know, we're going to try and do some stuff as safely as possible. We're like limiting, if we're using public transport, which we've been using, limiting the times that we're using it. And it's been really great because it's been basically empty. Um, we're going to the studio more. I'm going to the studio more, like actually working full days there and trying to do that like multiple times a week now. Um, we booked a staycation in September. Oh, nice. Uh, it's for my mom's 60th birthday. Which so it's kind of a shame, really, because like I wanted to be able to do more for her sixtieth birthday, mm-hmm. uh, and I haven't been able to do that. Um, it's like you know we'd had like a plan that we'd been talking about for years of this trip that we would take for her birthday, 
and you know we can't do that but we're doing like a family staycation in the country like hiring out a, a cottage and I, my kind of thinking is like if we were going this weekend i would feel a little bit weird about it but it's like over a month away so like you know it's just like as time is progressing i'm feeling more comfortable with things sure you know as i feel like we continue to have a handle on it um, I mean, it's not amazing here, but it's significantly better than it was. You know, we're sure. at like seven-ish hundred cases a day in the UK now, um, which again, not amazing, not good, but way better than the multiple, multiple thousands that we were doing before. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. So, you know, I'm kind of like at a point where it's like I've just made some decisions about like trying to stay safe, trying to stay uh, aware, and then also trying to understand like what can I bring back into my life? And there's lots of things that I've decided I'm not doing, right? Or there's lots of things that we're not going to do for a while. Sure. Um, but there's things that we're we're trying to we're thinking about maybe sometime in August having our first meal out in a restaurant. Oh, excellent! That'll be fun. Haven't done that. That's we're thinking about that. I vaguely remember what restaurants are. Yeah, the government started this thing here where, like, I think it's between Monday and Wednesday. If you eat in a restaurant, this isn't why we're doing it, but it's just an interesting thing. If you eat in a restaurant, you get ten pounds off your food per person. What? It's like as a way to encourage people to go to restaurants again, you know. I would I would make a joke about what it you know it must be nice to have a functioning government, but you know there's still the whole Brexit thing. As Kate says, eat out to help out. That's what it's called. The, the program that is very good. That is very very good. The uh, overall, I would say, with maybe one misstep, the coronavirus marketing by the government here has actually <laughs> been pretty good. Um, there was one kind of like they changed this one thing to like. Uh, stay alert which people didn't like but yeah but uh eat out to help out is uh yes it is interesting slogan <laughs> but you know it uh oh geez but yeah so that's where we are right now um trying to bring some normal back because i know it's gonna be an incredibly long time until actual normal can return yeah i, th- I think that makes a lot of sense um, if you'll permit me, I'd like to go on a very, very brief rant that you can just quietly cut from the release version of the show, and I won't know the difference. Um, one of the things I meant to bring up earlier and I forgot about, and I'd like to defend teachers everywhere, is that one of the refrains I heard during the meeting uh, here in our local county uh, about why we shouldn't do virtual instruction is that, well, when we tried it in the spring, it didn't work, and it was trash. Can I just tell you that I know a fair number of teachers. Aaron used to teach, and so she's still friends with a lot of teachers. My future sister-in-law is a teacher. Of all of these teachers I know, there's not a one that isn't breaking their backs trying to figure out how to do the best possible instruction they can for their kids this year. Yeah. Well, I mean, also, in the spring, like, everyone had, like, six days notice. Uh, thank to, you. To, like, work out this new system. Mm-hmm. So, of course, it didn't work. Thank you very much, Mike. I don't know why parents don't understand this, since you got it so simply. But, yeah, they don't get it. And they're all, oh, the spring was terrible. The spring, I don't think they even had six days. They might have had less than that. But your point is completely accurate. Like, it grinds my gears so much when I hear people say, oh, well, but the spring stank, and I don't want to do that again. But you think it was good for the teachers? It was 
is terrible for them too. Like, oh, it just makes me so angry when people are like, oh gosh, it was so bad. Let's not do that again. No, it won't be like that again. Will it be perfect? No. Will it be as good as in school? Probably not. But you won't get dead. And that seems like a pretty good tray. Oh my God. Yes, that is one way to put it. Uh, you know, it's definitely much more effective than you won't catch the virus. <laughs> I'm sorry. It just makes me so angry. It really, really does. So I believe I shared on this show uh, before, like my my wonder, I, th- I think I've probably spoken about this, but of like what we will refer to in the future is this time. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So now, like, so previously I had said my bet is that it would be called the virus. But now I think it's going to be called just the pandemic. Yeah. That's how this time will be known yeah. because that seems to be the phrase that is getting used a lot the global pandemic, the global pandemic. I think mm. that's what it's going to be called. Because like, I don't know if you noticed this, but like, there seems to be this hesitancy from a lot of people to actually say what's going on, which I find very weird. Yeah, a little bit. Like, especially in business contexts, you know, people are like, the current situation, these times. Like, we all know what it is. Like, we all know that it right. is a pandemic or that we are going through a time of something called COVID-19. Like, just call it what it is, you know? Yep, I agree. I find that interesting. Like, I, again, like, I feel like I know why people do it, because if you're, like, trying to be, like, positive in a business context, not referencing the bad thing kind of makes sense, but, like, it's also ignoring something, you know? Like, if if it was, like, localized to an, an, air, to an area... Maybe I will get it a little more. Yep. But uh, yeah, these unprecedented times. Mm-hmm. Or as Matt in the chat says, uh, these trying times. Like, I'm kind of over this. I'm over these phrases now. Same, like, same. Just, just call it for what it is. Like, we all know what's going on. Like, there's no point sugarcoating it. Because sugarcoating it can can cause issues. Like, I don't know if you felt this way, but I have a little bit where, like, my brain is trying to rebel against this a little bit at times and I have to catch myself. <laughs> Tell me more. So, like, there will be, like, just these little thoughts that I'll have where it's kind of like, that's okay. And then my brain's like, no, no, no. It's not okay. It has been, like, you are living in a time now where, like, everything that's happening around you is normalizing. Oh yeah, right. Yeah. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. You like you hear you hear like case amounts, death tolls, uh, you know, it's just all these things, and your brain's like, "Oh, that's better." No, it's not better. <laughs> Still really bad. Yeah. Yeah, 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 just not as bad as it was before. Yep. So, or just like there's just time. You like time has passed, and it's kind of like I'm okay. So I'm probably okay, right? Like, and yep, I have yep, to yep. catch myself doing that stuff. So, like. You know, and I kind of, I think when I feel that way, it gives me, I feel like more empathy for some of, for like people that are living their lives that way. Like, whilst I don't agree with what they're doing, like, I also can't say that my brain doesn't try and do it too. Yep, absolutely. But for whatever reason, my, my like nervous nature brings me back again, you know? Yep, I, I agree with you. There is like a level at which people are being really stupid but I think that there's a different level where people are kind of just like they're looking at the context in their lives and they're like, I'm okay. Everyone I know is okay. Because that's the case. I know nobody personally who 
has tested positive for coronavirus. Oh, really? I know no one. Oh, wow. Right? Uh, and I can't even recall of... Like, I know I know people who... Like, like friends of friends of friends, right? But, like, my own friends, my own family, I don't know anybody that's had it, right? Uh, again, like, I've heard stories through friends of friends who have had it, but I don't know these people, Right, but so it's so there's I can imagine that people are like, and as Tony in the Discord is saying, people are over it, and I completely get that feeling where it's just like, I don't like this, everyone I know is doing fine, I'm doing fine, ergo, everything's okay, right? <laughs> and like, I can feel my brain doing it, but I feel happy in the fact that I know I can catch those thoughts. So I'm saying this as kind of like, I want people that listen to this show who may also be feeling this to kind of like, no, it's okay if you feel that way, but don't act on it. Right. Yeah, I agree. Because like, I feel it too, where like, there's this part of me and it's like, oh, is it good now? Like, we good? We're all good, right? We good? <laughs> and then realize, no, we're not good. Like, stop being stupid. We're not good. Um, so, you know, I just wanted to talk about that because I think it's important. We've been doing this for like nearly five months, right? Like things are gonna start getting weird. Yeah, it, it's it. And I'm super scared about the winter time because there's no indication that America is gonna be any better then. And when we don't have the release of just being outdoors, I don't know what we're gonna do. But I mean, we'll figure it out. Uh, let me change subjects on you quite dramatically. Uh, I saw this really really good website recently, and I wanted to know if you've heard of it. And maybe know about how it was created. It was it's it, it's its address is podcastmentorship.net. And I'd love to mm. hear a very quick update about it. And do you happen to know how this website was built? <laughs> You're going for it. Huh? I'm, I'm trying. Well, that last one was you so want, good. I gotta I gotta try to upstage I know. you. You want the segue, don't you? That's what you're after today. Yes, Casey. Not only do I know how it was built, I built it quite beautifully with our friends over at Squarespace. So good. Very nice. So yeah, I've built many websites in Squarespace and you should too because you can make your next move with Squarespace. They will let you easily create a website for your next idea or project. You'll get beautiful award-winning templates to customize and make feel your own. You'll be able to make just about any type of website you want. Whether you want to make a blog, a portfolio, a site for an event, a site for a business, a band, maybe you want an online store to sell physical or digital goods. Squarespace is the only one platform that will let you do any and all of that. There's nothing to install, patch, or upgrade. They take care of all of that stuff so you don't have to. They have got you covered at Squarespace. You can register a, a domain name quickly and easily. Set it to your website so people can find your site with ease. They have award-winning 24-7 customer support. So if you need any help, they are there. I don't want to have to learn what it takes to build a website because what I want to put online is not, quote, a website. It's the content that I want to live online. I don't want to have to spend a ton of time working out, bug fixing, patching, all that stuff. I use Squarespace because they make it so easy, but it doesn't like look like you're using a cookie cutter template website, right? Like they make really fantastic stuff that you can customize easily to be exactly what you're looking for. You can sign up for a trial today at squarespace.com analog and their plans start at just $12 a month. But that trial 
no credit card needed. So you can go there, sign up, try it out, and then when you decide to sign up for a plan, you can get 10% of your purchase, your first purchase, I should say, of a website or domain with the code ANALOG, and you'll also be supporting this show. So that's squarespace.com slash ANALOG and the code ANALOG for 10% of your first purchase. So thanks to Squarespace for their support of this show and all of Relay FM. Squarespace, make your next move, make your next website. I would love all kidding aside, even though I was reaching so hard for that segue. I would love no, to hear. No, it, of... it was good though. I mean, you, the build up was a little <laughs> clunky, but like the, the lead in was very nice. If you wouldn't mind, thank you. If you wouldn't mind do, giving me a brief uh, update on the mentorship program, I would really love to hear it. Yeah, so it's been a few months now, right, since I uh, spoke about the idea on the show. And then uh, put out the call and have selected the first group of individuals in my podcast mentorship program. Um, I don't remember where I was on our last episode. Uh, I believe I had notified everybody or it was kind of like around that period of time. Uh, so right now we're, there's like about nine people in the group and we are, we've had our first kind of group call. That, so like one of the things that I'm doing with the program is having like monthly calls around like a topic and our first Zoom call. Of course, it was a Zoom call um, because that's how you do anything these days. Like Zoom is actually really good for like the there's nine people on a video call, like yeah, make it yeah, easy. Yeah. Like, you know, it, it worked pretty well for that. Plus as well, Zoom is an easy bet right now because everyone's using it. Right, like I can't imagine that any of the people in the program, like in the, on this call, had to sign up for a Zoom account for the first time. <laughs> so, um, we had like a, our first call was kind of just like getting to know each other a little bit more, like talking through. I'm not going to give details, by the way, like because it's you know it's just people's information. So, um, but like we were all kind of like understanding our journeys so far, and like you know where we are in our podcasting journeys, including me, right? Because I'm I'm in my own uh, journey still and I'm still changing stuff all the time and so it was interesting to talk through that um, and what I'm really pleased about with the group is the diversity of the group is in many ways and one of the ways which is really interesting to me is the paths that like where people are you know like we have mm -hmm. people that have thought I would like to just start a show up to people who have already been podcasting for years so oh, wow. I'm really pleased about kind of like the the group itself because it's so um, diverse in uh, experience. Um, again, I don't remember if this was live last time, but if you want to find out more about the people in the program, um, I've put together a uh, a page which has a short bio about everybody in the mentorship program right now. Um, so that some of these people have social media followings that they've provided for you to follow them um, and or uh, links to projects that they're a part of. And as time goes on, I'll be adding more to that to that page. Like, I guess at some point I will probably add like a these are the projects that have come out of the mentorship page as well. So you'll be able to easily find all the podcasts that have come out as part of this. Um, it was like a the, the first call was I was so nervous. Oh, my God. Like, beforehand, yeah. so nervous. Because, like, really, I don't actually know what I'm doing here, right? <laughs> like, I've never done anything like this before. I'm not an educator, right? Like, I don't sure. know how to, like, really put this together. But what I know is what I know, and what I know is how to do this stuff. 
So it's really like I'm I'm confident in the fact that I have the knowledge. I just have to give it in a way that people want to accept it in a way that makes sense to them, right? Um, and then people can do what they want with it. Like I don't claim to be the knowledge on all this stuff. I just know what I know, which was kind of like my whole thing about the way I put the page together, which was like, if you want to make a serial style narrative show with storytelling and really big production design, I can tell you what I know, but I don't know how applicable my experience is to yours, like to what you're looking to do, right? But I know what I know. So I can give a lot of like advice, suggestions and tips about my background, my skills, my experience, right? So I feel like I know that so I can give that. But I was nervous of like, I am kind of like the person in this group who's like, I'm leading us forward, right? And we're all going to work this out together. And like, mm-hmm. I, you know, I'm uh, that's my role. And it's like, am, I had no idea if I was going to be doing a good enough job with it, all that kind of stuff. Like, am I going to feel like I'm letting people down? But anyway, I feel like it went great. Uh, everyone seemed super engaged. We had a great time. Um, and it was just like super uh, uh, affirming for me for doing this. Like, So one of the things that was really coming up a lot in my mind was like, so for years, like I feel like I have wanted to elevate the voices of people not like me, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I've tried doing this by like, we have a new show where we have people and we want to bring them on. And like, is this just more of the same? Like, how can we mix it up, right? With relay shows and just people that I work with in general. But what I realized and what I have come to realize is there are lots and lots of people who want to be in this world that are not white men. Yeah, yeah. There are lots of people from all different walks of life. And while I wanted to try and help, like, elevate these people, find these people, I wasn't actually looking. I was hoping they would come by my view, right? This Mm -hmm. is what I've realized Mm -hmm. about Mm -hmm. myself. Like... I was saying, like, if you, you know, like, oh, I, I found this person like because they got retweeted by this person sure, or, like, whatever, sure, sure. right? But the difference now is I have said, if you are out there hoping that you are, please tell me. And, like, that's the difference, like, this time of, like, I have actively looked to try and find people. And I, you know, like, I'm not trying to toot my own horn here, right? Like, but I feel like I have done a much better job than i've done in the past years of actually trying to make a difference and i hope that ultimately i'm able to help the people that are a part of this group a part of future groups you know like i don't expect that the current group of nine will be the only people ever a part of this program like i don't think i can go higher than that at a time because like we also have a lot of ongoing conversations like i set up like a private discord so people we can also talk asynchronously if people need help with something and that's actually been really good because i can give like oh hey you should check out this microphone or look at this blog post you know so it's like an ongoing thing as well but like i just i i feel like this is what now i can see that this is what i should have done a long time ago like the people are out there you gotta look for them if you're not looking for them you won't find them yeah i think i am very guilty of the same thing of just expecting that these people will bubble up into my world and and i i don't think that's fair and it's happened to a degree but still only in like slices of life 
mm-hmm. you know? Yep. Yeah, I completely agree with you. I'm very proud of the work you've been doing. Um, and, and I think it's excellent. I, I, you and I did speak and I knew that you had had your first meeting, but I, I I'm glad that, I'm glad that this is something that we can check in on from time to time on this show. And, and also, I really want to say, like, I am not attempting to put anybody else on blast here. Everybody uh, does their own thing in their own way, and they make differences that can be meaningful to different people at different times. But I just think for me, who I am, my place in my community, I feel that what I am doing right now is what I should be doing as the person in my community that I am. Yeah. Yeah. I think does that make sense? It does. It does. I, and, and I think uh, said another way of saying that is perhaps there are many ways to much more quietly make just as big a difference for maybe some people, maybe a lot of people, but the way that you're choosing to do it and the think the way that you feel most equipped to make a difference is to do it this way. And, and that's mm-hmm. perfectly fine. And if me or somebody else chooses another way to do it, that's perfectly fine. Um, but no, the, the, uh, the more I hear you talk about it, the more proud and excited I am of you. And I think I've said this before, but I'll say it again. You know, if we, if you are interested and if your mentees are interested and we wanted to drop like a couple of minutes of, you know, one of their shows in, in this show, like 99 PI style, I, I'm not, oppo- mm-hmm. I'm not opposed to that at all. And mm-hmm. uh, we'll have to see, have to see where this goes over the next several months. Yeah. All of that stuff is stuff I still need to work out and like i again like with the group like i want to work out with them of like as projects start to gain more steam and like what is the best way for me to like promote them in a way that isn't overbearing and yeah like it's all it's all a lot to work out and ultimately like i feel that the majority of help that i can provide is like to get people started once they're started it's a black box of what works and what doesn't you know like i have projects and i've had projects that i've started expecting them to go in a certain direction and they don't go in that direction you know like that that's the real part that like is super hard to help like how do you get listeners i don't know like, it's really hard right like <laughs> that is, is the hard is. part but like the part that i know is all of that part before that like and i know i can help there after that it's like a group effort i guess people trying things out seeing what works seeing what doesn't so that's, I think another great thing about having a group of people working closely together like this is we can we can all learn from each other. So absolutely, I don't know. Just whenever you talk about it, it it just makes me smile. Thank you, thank you for helping push me. Of course, that was also a sick segue that you totally missed. Oh, you wanted to talk about our friends that smile. Indeed. Uh, do you also find that when you are happy, Casey, you like to expand your text? Of course, I do. Well, good, because Text Expander is here for you. <laughs> Text Expander will remove the repetition out of work so you can focus on what matters most. Say goodbye to repetitive text entry, spelling and message errors, and trying to remember the right thing to say. When you use Text Expander, you can say the right thing in just a few keystrokes. It's better than copy and paste. It's better than scripts. It's better than templates. So I talk a lot about using Text Expander for like expanding large snippets of text, right? But one thing that I do use Text Expander for a lot is to correct frequent spelling mistakes that I make. Oh, yeah. 
So if you find yourself spelling something wrong a lot, you can have Text Expander change that for you. Very, very useful. Text Expander snippets allow you to maximize your time by getting rid of the repetitive things that you type while still allowing you to customize and personalize your messages because you can add drop down fields, you can add fill in fields, so you can you know throw in two paragraphs but immediately drop the cursor in a place where you want to write a name or a piece of identifying information. So you're still able to add the personal touch that that email deserves so it doesn't feel like a form template, but without needing to retype the stuff that's not needed for you to type every single time. Text Expander can be used in any platform, any app, anywhere you want to type. It's on tons of different operating systems, loads of different applications integrate with it as well. Super fantastic. Take your time back and increase your productivity. Analog listeners get 20% of their first year of a Text Expander subscription. Go to textexpander.com slash podcasts to learn more about Text Expander today. That's textexpander.com slash podcast. P-O-D-C-A-S-T. You know how to spell podcast. Come on. Our thanks to Text Expander <laughs> for their support of this show and Relay FM. For the record, I was going for the cheesy segue, but it also does make me smile what you're doing for this group. I feel like both both were true. <laughs> both were indeed been kind true. Of, I get so angry. Yeah, right? What's wrong with you? Oh, goodness. All right. So tell me about some recommendations you have. I have two for you. Excellent. Uh, one is uh, this. I found this on Netflix. I don't know where it is in other places. Um, it's called Shit's Creek Best Wishes, Warmest Regards. So it is like a documentary that talks about the impact of the absolutely fantastic comedy show Shit's Creek. Um, but it focuses on the final season of the show and talks about the impact that the show had had over time. Um, it really is like if you enjoy Shit's Creek, you will love this documentary. I was in tears watching it because you really start to see like the impact that this show had on a lot of people uh, in certain groups, and yeah, it really kind of drives home what makes this show as special as it is. Seeing the people who created it talk about it, like it really is awesome. So I I recommend this one highly. If you've seen. Uh, the show you should see this if you haven't seen the show you should watch the show yeah very much so i don't think it's on netflix here i don't know where it is though schitt's creek is on netflix in the uk so that's why they got this as well like that's where we watch netflix uh, netflix is where we watch the show so that's why they got this so my expectation is wherever you watched schitt's creek you will also get be able to find this documentary would be my expectation. Yeah, so Netflix has seasons one through five uh, of Shit's Creek. I don't see the documentary, but it may be that I'm just not looking in the right spot. So you'll, your mileage may vary. Have you seen it, the documentary? Mm-hmm. Yeah, it was good. It was very okay. good. Okay. Yeah, I love it. Uh, another one. This, I think, will, ex- will excite a lot of our American listeners, uh, but I don't know how you get it. So you are aware of the Great British Bake Off, also known as, what do you call it, the Great British Baking Show, I think it's called in America? Something like that, yeah. So there is a version of Bake Off called Bake Off The Professionals. It was previously called Bake Off Creme de la Creme uh, in 2016 and 2017, then it went away, then it came back, and there have been a bunch of seasons called Bake Off The Professionals. We get it here on Channel 4 in the UK. So this is a version of Bake Off where it's teams, teams of two. 
Hang on one second. Do you know the the Great British Bake Off? You know what it is? I'm only vaguely familiar with it. I thought oh it was my God, like, Casey. I know everyone says I'm supposed to watch it. We're, <laughs> we're, we're suffering through the office right now, so we'll put it on the queue. The Great British Bake Off is that is going to be your like popcorn feel good show. Anyway, I, I could use one of those to be honest. So, so Great British Bake Off is a like uh, enthusiast uh, bakers competition show, like okay. amateur baker. You know, Bake Off for the professionals is teams of two professionals. So there's six teams. They actually do it in a really interesting way. They have twelve teams in total. They face off six teams until they get down to the final four, so two and two, and then they put those together for the final four leading up to the winner. It's a really interesting like system. Wait, so there's there's one winner or two? There's winners? one winner. Oh, interesting. So there's two. Okay. There's, there's twelve teams. They yeah. split them into two teams of six until they get down to four. So the four teams on each side, no, three teams on each side. Sorry. Then they put them together and continue until there's one. Right, mm-hmm. so it's like it's like this interesting. It's quite difficult to explain, but it's it's kind of interesting that way. But the difference is, these aren't like people that are learning. These aren't people that are going to be surprised about. Oh, what is this cake we have to make? Like, they're typically from uh, high end hotels and and some like in, like high end independent bakers. You know, so they'll work for like park lane the ivy like these like high end chains the judges are uh cherish and benoit um benoit blin is like my favorite judge of any of these types of shows they're like ruthless but encouraging uh, but they're also like really like they're very successful in the pastry world um it's hosted by i think it's tom and liam um tom allen is a comedian in the uk and he's absolutely hilarious uh, and Liam was a previous contestant on Bake Off and is also like a really, seems like a really nice guy and they, they do a good job of actually being like the hosts and the judges. But the things that they make are absolutely unbelievable. So like every episode has like some kind of incredible cake or pastry to make along with these huge showpieces made out of chocolate and sugar and stuff. And they have these themes. Then like one of the, I think the semifinal is something where they call like live plating, where they have to do this like show as they like plate up the food. This is like Bake Off, you're, you're a great show. The Bake Off, the professionals, absolutely unbelievable. Like, if you like Bake Off, you will love this. It also has like a fun uh, uh, thing in our lives. The first time we saw Bake Off, the professionals was the day after our wedding. So we were in our hotel the day after the wedding and just put the TV on and we just saw this show. I was like, what is this? And started watching it. And I think it was like the semifinal or the final. So it's always like a funny thing to me. It's like we just stumbled upon this show um, randomly just on that day. And uh, yeah, but it's, it is like my favorite of all of these types of shows. Try and get it if you can. Bake off the professionals. It's awesome. Casey doesn't care. No, well, do I need to start with like the Great British, British Bake Off, like season one, or can I just jump directly mm. into this? I mean, you could jump directly into this. It's a good show. But I don't know if you can uh, really like appreciate the quality difference if you don't come from one to the other. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Well, is it like Survivor where I need to to go through 35 seasons of Great British Bake Off in order to get to... No, it's just a, just a, it's just a competition show. Like, right. make great cakes. All right. 
But I recommend Bake Off because it's awesome. Regular Bake Off. You should watch Regular Bake Off anyway. So if, you, if you're interested, watch Regular Bake Off. And then when you're done with all of that, you can go to Bake Off the Professionals. <laughs> I see. It's the best. It's the chillest, nicest competition show. Right? They all help each other out. It's nice and British. There's none of this like villain edit stuff that you see in American reality shows. Like, sure, there's sure. none of that. There's no like dang, zoom, zooms like but, you know, in Bake Off the Professionals things fall over and break all the time, which is fun. Uh but yeah. Anyway, so that's that's my uh that they're my recommendations. What do you have? You know, just a very quick aside, the way you describe Bake Off the Professionals very much strikes me as similar to a show you probably didn't get, but on Fox a few months ago in the before times they were doing uh, Lego Masters. I think actually you had an equivalent in the UK. Lego Masters was a UK show sold out to America, I believe. Oh, okay. I wouldn't be surprised. The Lego Masters show in America came with a higher production value. Like they had um, Will Arnett, right, as the yep, host yep, and yep, stuff. Yep. Uh, and also, I'm sure, quite hilariously, uh, referred to Lego pieces and bricks correctly in that show is my assumption. Did uh, not call them Legos like they, Americans call them. No, they. What I think they actually early on said something like, "It's supposed to be Lego, but we all get it wrong, and it's okay," or something like that. Like they looked at they 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 approached it head on. I can't remember what specifically was said, um, but th- there was some like tongue in cheek comment about it. Uh, but anyway, it just strikes me very similar as Bake Off the Professionals. Uh, for me. Uh, my recommendations, uh, I have uh, kind of two as well. One of them is kind of silly, but also serious, which is just t- t- take some time to yourself, do some self-care. Um, however that may look, make sure you're taking time for yourself. Uh, for me, I've found that doing a lot of outdoor activities, and I was talking about this a minute ago, has has really helped my state of mind, going to parks, uh, particularly since I have the luxury of being able to do this during the week, you know, going during the traditional work day, um, I think is a very good way to do something safely because not a lot of people are going to be able to go to a park in the middle of the day. Um, but even if you can't do that, just go into a park, like go on a Sunday morning or something like that. Go get outside and do something outside because Mm. it seems that being outside is not a guarantee of safety, but is certainly considerably more safe than going into a small enclosed space. Um, and so I definitely recommend that, uh, it was a month or two ago now, but, uh, basically our routine is that Aaron and I spend the same hour exercising each day, although we do it, we do separate things. And one day I was just like, I was at a boiling point and I just couldn't take life anymore. (laughs) And so I said to Aaron, you know what, instead of exercising today, I'm just going to go for a drive. And I got my car and I drove Mm -hmm. around for like half an hour, 45 minutes. And it was just me by myself, which was and is a somewhat novel thing, but it was me by myself and my music and me just driving around. And even though it was only, I don't know, half an hour, 45 minutes, it improved my mood dramatically and, and got my fuse from being an inch long to at least several inches long, if not a couple of feet long. And I think it was better for everyone in the house that I spent a few minutes to do something for myself. Um, and another thing that I've started to get into a little bit, uh, although I haven't done much of it, is, you know, we talked a lot on ETP, and I think a smidge here about how I've been finding Raspberry Pis, to, or I've been buying Raspberry Pis to do everything in the world. And the very first one I bought, I put RetroPie on, which is an emulation 
uh, it's emulation software, and I got a special controller for it that basically is a Super Nintendo controller, but it's, you know, Bluetooth and so on. Uh, and I've been starting to dig through some old video games from my youth, and so I started playing Super Mario World on the Super Nintendo on a Lark. And it, first of all, I'm terrible at it, which is sad because I used to be so good at, you know, Super Nintendo games as a kid. But just in general, um, digging into something that's nostalgic and you remember as being happy, I think is also a form of self-care and something that I think is really powerful. Um, so that's kind of section one is self-care. Section two, mm -hmm. this is more a direct recommendation. Uh, as we've talked about a little bit on this show and certainly on ATP, it keeps be becoming, it's become a bit of a punchline now. Uh, I am completely head over heels obsessed with Hamilton. And in the last few weeks, uh, Hulu has come out with a documentary, not on Hamilton, but uh, unbeknownst to me, Lin-Manuel Miranda, David Diggs, um, Christopher Jackson, and a couple other people that were in Hamilton were part of this like um, freestyle rap improv collective show called uh, Freestyle Love Supreme. And there's a documentary about it on Hulu and presumably other platforms and it's called We Are Freestyle Love Supreme. And this is the first I was aware of any of this work. But what's interesting about it is um, th th they had recorded pieces of this documentary like literally 15 years ago. And so you're seeing, you know, uh, 15 years of Lin-Manuel's rise. And it's not specifically about him, but of course it's largely about him. And you're just seeing all this. But you're also seeing a really interesting uh, case study on a bunch of friends just doing stuff that they really friggin' love. And I just thought it was a, del a delightful documentary. It was something like 90 minutes, and I, I definitely recommend it. If you have 90 minutes to kill, it's real, real good. Mike, we have something special mm -hmm. coming up. Yep. This is our August episode, which means that during this month, uh, we're going to be doing across Relay FM lots of bonus shows for Relay FM members. So if you're a Relay FM member of any kind, you have access to the crossover feed. So whether you support, no matter what show you support, uh, even if you get additional content from one of our other shows, you, you, if you, you will also have access to the crossover feed, which is where bonuses get posted. Um, so on August 17th, we will be releasing our bonus episode for Analog. And this time we did another mic at the movies. And because we have been talking so much about cars and racing, we watched the movie Ford versus Ferrari, also known as Le Mans 66, I yeah, believe, right. in some other markets. So if you want to hear us uh, talk about Ford versus Ferrari, um, you can be a, become a Real FM member. Um, if you're already a Real FM member, thank you. You'll get this uh, a little later on this month. Uh, so we're giving you some notice. So one, you can watch it. Uh, and two, uh, you can uh, become a member and give us your money. Uh, go to Relay.fm uh, relay slash membership and you can sign up and you can support whatever show you want. Take a look at the benefits options that we have there now for you. Um, and no matter what show you choose to give to, thank you. But if you choose to throw some money our way, we would really, really appreciate that. Yep, indeed. And uh, I I should make it plain that this is not a commentary episode like we did of, what was it, Serenity? Is that right? Yeah. This is, we watched the movie, we're going to talk about the movie. Right. And it's a good one. I, I, I like it. So you should check it out. I won't say what I think about it. Please don't. You have to go check out the episode. <laughs> 